Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. That is a parent in Nebraska yelling at the president of a teacher's union for fighting against school choice. Good on you. Good on you. Absolutely fight these people. Fight them tooth and nail. They don't want you to be able to send your kid where you want to send your kid, fight them tooth and nail. Oh, call them a name if you need to. I don't know if it's going to help you, but certainly there are worse things. They don't think you have the right to decide what's best for your school? For, I mean, for your kid? What school's best for your kid? Oh, forget these people. Fight them with everything you got. Good on you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833 833- Four six eight eight six six nine eight three three. Got Tony. That is uh, that is uh, the, the the number. That's that's how we get uh, to uh, be a part of of the show right here. Uh, I have a series of things to get to, a series of them. But I always love it when out of the blue, here comes President Trump with a couple of words. And we have a corrupt, compromised president, crooked Joe Biden, who is dragging us into World War III. And that's what's happening on behalf of a nation that paid his family millions and millions of dollars in obvious bribes. All you have to do is take a look at how much China, how much Ukraine have paid the Biden family. It's a total disgrace and a very dangerous one. Under these circumstances, the notion that we would even consider admitting Ukraine into NATO at this time is completely unhinged. Joe Biden can't even walk up a flight of stairs on Air Force One, and he can't put two sentences together. The last thing that this incompetent administration should be doing is risking war with a nuclear-armed Russia or China or other countries. We have somebody that doesn't have a clue representing us. Well, okay then. Now, I'm not saying he's, he's wrong. We have somebody who doesn't have a clue representing us. <laughs> this much is true. Interesting that he's talking about the idea that we shouldn't accept Ukraine into NATO. Because I'm somebody who is fine with providing Ukraine with hardware. I'm fine with a certain level of money. I'd like to know where the money's going. If I find that all of a sudden Zelensky has himself a summer home, I'm done. Well, Tony, that's the price you pay for. No, 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 it's not. No, it's no, it's not. I'm not doing that. If that's the answer, Zelensky gets a summer home, and that's the price for for uh, pushing back the Russians. The price is too high. Do you hear me? At that moment, the price is too damn steep. The rent is too damn high. I'm saying no. But even I 
and you and I may disagree on this one, who have been supportive of providing them the assistance. I don't believe in providing them any uh, troops. I don't believe in putting a troop on the ground. I certainly don't believe in no-fly zones. I want to be very clear. I don't think Ukraine should be part of NATO. And what we have seen so far is, oh, yeah, sure, they're welcome in. But, man, there's a lot of hurdles to cross. The very idea of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, how it was put together to thwart the issues of the Soviet Union, do those issues still exist? Well, the answer is, well, clearly some of those issues exist. Otherwise, we wouldn't be as concerned about Russia's invasion of Ukraine and their desperation for more land and more people, more control. And if they were able to simply run through Ukraine, they would have tried others. I believe that to be true. But what we've seen is a totally inept Russia that has an inept military. I think the line from, from Mike Pence was, uh, Russia went from the se second greatest military in the world to the second greatest military in Ukraine. I mean, it's, it's a great, great line. And they have shown themselves to be inept. Inept and with a whole bunch of nuclear weapons. So, when we ask ourselves, does Ukraine need to be in NATO? I think the bigger question is, what is going to be the purpose of NATO going forward? Is the NATO move now going to go from Russia to China? If that was the case, do you think you'd have the same number of nations who were interested? Remember, Sweden and, and Finland jumped on board because they realized, man, these Russians are crazy. And if things aren't going well in that theater, they may try and push in some other ways in order to create a moment of forcing the peace. You've heard this conversation before about forcing a, a peace. It is, uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson kept talking about it when he did the interviews with uh, all those presidential candidates. And, and I must tell you, after going through it repeatedly, not only do I think Mike Pence comes across better than anybody gave him credit for, and he will as the days go on, no one's asked the question, wait, why are we taking Tucker Carlson as the baseline? I like Tucker a lot. For the record, a lot. In the couple times I've met him, he's always been very, very nice to me. Always been very nice to me. Why do I like him? Because he's a conversation starter. The vast majority of people you hear on radio, see on TV, are conversation reactors. Tucker is a starter. And that's rare air. And to be a starter, you have to have a certain degree of credibility and you have to be willing to put that credibility on the line every time you open your mouth and start a discussion. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do at all. It's extremely difficult. Um, he does it pretty well. He starts conversations in America. That's impressive stuff. His position on Ukraine is not the conservative position. It's his position. 
if you tell me you don't want to be caught in endless wars, I can appreciate that. If you tell me you'd like to know where the money is, I can appreciate that too. A position of we shouldn't be involved at all, not necessarily a conservative position, not necessarily a valuable position. Why shouldn't that be discussed? What you got from the people running for office, except for Mike Pence, was a whole bunch of mealy-mouthed opinion because they were afraid to take on Tucker on the subject because they were still gauging where the audience was, where you were, as opposed to telling you where they are and then letting you make the call from there. They were trying to gauge so they could make they could appease you. That is not the way you run for president, which is why I like Tim Scott a lot. I want to do the interview. Man, that was his answer was ugly. His answer was anything to get out of the question. Asa Hutchinson got asked questions about why would you allow children to have gender surgeries? And he's like, look, can't we talk about something else? No. No, we freaking can't, man. This is the whole subject. I do not take Tucker as the uh, final arbiter. And I love that I got, I got tweets. Oh, man, don't take on Tucker. What are, you, what are you talking about? Don't take on. I don't even know what that means. Don't take on Tucker. I'm not allowed to have a thought? I can't have a thought different than his? Sure I can. Watch me. Sure I can. Yes, I can. Absolutely I can. No question I can. Here, look, I'm doing it now. Just call me Madge. You're soaking in it. That's a Palmolive that's a Paul Mollive commercial throwback right there. You got to be of a certain age. Everyone else, you better you better Google that is what you do. Let me go to the phones. Dan, welcome to the show. What's going on, Dan? Well, I was listening, and I wondered how the Biden administration, I don't think he cares at all about the Ukrainian people or Burisma or any of that because they can't do anything for him now. However, BlackRock may be the reason. That's that's basically all I wanted to say. So, but so the the interesting part of arguments like that, Dan, and and I and I appreciate the the phone call. Hold on, stay with me just for a moment. Yep. Uh, the 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 interesting part of uh, of conversations like that is 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 that you you aren't you're not necessarily wrong. You're not necessarily wrong that there are people who question whether or not actions take place for financial purposes, right? Is this one investing? Is that one investing? Is, is that what's going on? Um, you, for me, it gets a tad into the, the conspiratorial in, in, in those moments, you, you get into a, a place where it's like, all right, you can say that, but it's, it's difficult to, to prove that. You'd have to be able to show it. Do we engage as a nation in, in um, any level of warfare because it creates, because there, 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 there's some kind of financial opportunity, right? That's the question you're asking, Dan. Do I have that part right? Uh, yes, I believe so. So, uh, I, 
I don't think that you are alone at all in those kinds of theories. And I think they become more and more prevalent. And I say theory not as a, as in, a, in a way of crackpot, man. And I don't want you to think that at all. I appreciate the phone call. People take a look at the follow the money theory and then they say, well, well, here's where it is and here's who's benefiting, et cetera. That's usually for me left to when um, there was no pretext. Russia invading Ukraine has a series of them. Russia invading Ukraine is is a, a weird, it would be a weird argument to me to say uh, that a group like that forced it, forced a hand, right? That would be a weird one for me. This is about Russia and their desire for power. This is about Russia and their desire for population. This is about Russia and their desire for money. There's a lot here. So I don't think that that's it. The fact that because of it, some people might make a couple bucks, sadly, I think that's always true. So I hope I answered your question properly. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. You know, I think you could say this about literally, not Lenny, but nearly all politicos, not necessarily the brightest bunch, not necessarily the brightest bunch. But I am often amazed on, on the political left, I guess you could argue it happens on the political right, often amazed at how people are unaware of what it is that they're saying. I'm going back to this Robert F. Kennedy thing, uh, this uh, hearing on censorship, where the left aggressively tried to censor Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Look, I'm not voting for the guy. I don't believe in censoring him. This is crazy town. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. And they're doing it without any irony. You heard RFK say, was it earlier this week or was it last week? Uh, that in, in a private uh, kind of meeting, there were studies that show that COVID was engineered, designed to be uh, uh, more uh, aggressive on people who are Caucasian and black and less aggressive on Ashkenazi Jews and uh, Chinese people. Ashkenazi Jews would be Eastern European Jews. Now, what I said here is uh, show me the data. It's a weird thing to say. People are like, oh, how anti-Semitic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't say Jews built the thing. That would be something that Ilhan Omar or Andre Carson say. You want to talk about the anti-Semites supporting Louis Farrakhan. Andre Carson. Ilhan Omar for what she said about Israel. Pramila Jayapal calling Israel a racist state. Debbie Wasserman Schultz is now going to say that... What Robert F. Kennedy Jr. did is the same thing? Oh, yeah, she is. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, we respectfully requested that you rescind Mr. Kennedy's invitation to be appear here due to his repeated and very recent statements that spread dangerous anti-Semitic and anti-Asian conspiracy theories and attempted to move into executive session because House rules prohibit public testimony that degrades or defames people. 
His reckless rhetoric helped fuel anti-Semitic incidents, which for the record are at the highest level in the United States since 1970. She is saying this without irony. Pramila Jayapal, Democrat, Washington State, said Israel's a racist state. Ilhan Omar said it's all about the Benjamins. Rashida Tlaib says the Holocaust gives her a calming feeling. Ocasio-Cortez is hanging out with Jeremy Corbyn. Andre Carson hangs out with Louis Farrakhan, or at least won't condemn him. Said he would work with him. She doesn't go after her own party. She goes after Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That is an amazing, amazing thing to hear. And she kept going. Oh, I was trying to get it to play again. I wouldn't play again. Oh, that was super annoying. Super annoying. Let me, let me try this way. Hold on. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, we respectfully requested that you rescind the highest level in the United States since 1970. I got it right tripled now. in the last six years. Since you gave Mr. Kennedy a megaphone today, I want to give him a chance to correct his statements and prepare some of the harm that he's helped cause. Mr. Kennedy, you're well-educated. So yes or no, please. Are you aware that for centuries, Jews have been scapegoated and blamed for causing illnesses like Black Plague and more recently COVID? I am. Those are known as blood libel, and they are one of the worst and most disturbing parts of uh, human history. Good. I'm glad to know that, of course, that you, that you acknowledge that. Of course, it's true and well documented that this pernicious form of anti-Semitism led to centuries of discrimination, even horrific pogroms and massacres, and it still fuels deadly violence today. Yet last week, you floated a baseless conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was bioengineered to target Caucasians and black people, but to spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. Mr. Kennedy, your bizarre, unproven claim echoes that same historic slander of labeling Jews and Chinese people as a race, and that Jews, and in this case Chinese people, somehow managed to avoid a deadly illness that targets other groups for death. You do see that, yes or no? You're misstating. No, 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 no. Uh, you I, are... quoted, I quoted what you said earlier, and it, it is directly what you said. So just ask me, uh, yes no, or no? I was, I was describing... An NIH-funded study. No, 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 you didn't cite any. I was, I was describing an NIH-funded study by Cleveland Clinic Reclaiming scientists. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. You well, if you don't want them to talk, you don't want them to talk. I argued at the time, I, I, and I'll say it now, weird. For sure. Never heard anything like that. Would love to see the data on that. Would love to see the data on that. But you go after him. You're going after him for the blood libel. That's a serious thing. But no no discussion of the Democrats, the anti-Semites in your ranks. Meanwhile, she got done. Representative Thomas Massey took a go. And that's when it got super interesting. Thank you, Mr. I can't play that either. I don't know. I'm having a problem because Massey's like, can we please introduce into the record the study that Mr. Kennedy just referenced? So it turns out there's a, there's a study. Now I'm going to go read this thing. There's a study. So whatever he's quoting is, a, is an actual thing and isn't libelous. Now, now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. Because I can't imagine 
that uh, the lab leak theory involved, hey, uh, we, need a, we need a virus that's really going to hurt people, but not the Jews. I think it works that way. Oh, so much has come out of this hearing regarding uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It is too much. It is too much. May, maybe almost as awesome. No, it might be more awesome than the, the city of New York when just a couple years ago they're saying we're a proud sanctuary city and now they're saying we can't take any more uh, asylum seekers. We can't take any more of these illegal uh, immigrants. It's easy to be a sanctuary city when you don't actually have to do any work. And then when they come to your doorstep, you realize, my gosh, Texas doesn't have it easy, do they? This is Tony Katz today. a package that's not a euphemism a package was delivered to my p.o box i just don't know what it is i mean they, they don't arrive every day and every time every time when it's from a source i don't know i'm like i think i'm just gonna open this uh outside um uh, maybe put on some some gloves just me just me tony katz uh, tony katz today 833 got tony love the phone calls guys 833-468-8669 that's the number i don't know what it is someone's got to tell me why can't a tracking number tell me like i could tell you where it came from but i don't know what it is came out of grove city ohio what the hell did i get comes out of grove city ohio wait hold on Hold on. Better question. Where is Grove City, Ohio? I have no I have no clue. I'm like, did I order cigars? That's rare for me to do, but sometimes if I can find rare things, like someone uh, very joyously uh, shared with me uh, the Davidoff 2012, the, the white label, which I think you can only get in Geneva. I think you only get in Geneva. Uh, oh, Oh, that cigar is miraculous. Miraculous. Where, oh, do you know, did Jason, did you figure out where Grove City, Ohio, on the microphone, where's Grove City, Ohio? It looks like it's southwest of Columbus, Ohio. Why would I ever be southwest of Columbus, Ohio? It's a suburb, kind of like Cincinnati? Mars Hill. Like Cincinnati, southwest of Columbus. Southwest of Columbus. So it's, is no, it from no, no, Cincinnati? It, it, it's literally, it'd be like on 465. In Indianapolis, for instance, it's on the southwest corner of the... Oh, so it's a suburb. It is a true suburb. It looks like a suburb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't order anything from Kind of like a Greenwood. I have no idea. It's it's kind of... Don't you insult the people of Greenwood, Indiana like that. How dare you? We call it Greenhood. No, you... No, we don't. We respect the people of Greenwood, and we do not want to be attacked by them. Well, if you live there, you're allowed to. Well, well. I don't believe that to be true. If you live in Carmel, you're not allowed to make fun of Carmel, yet here I am, day in and day out. Um, the the Davidoff 2012, that would be my daily smoke. I mean, I'm rare to that. People ask all the time, what, what is your go-to? I don't have a, a, a go-to cigar. Um, I don't, but th- this could be it. This, oh, 
So I didn't order anything. So I have no idea what this is. Someone knows. So if anybody sent me a package, if you let me know, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be great. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, here in the state of Indiana, Mike Braun, senator, has raised $2.2 million in the first six months of 2023. This for his campaign for governor. Now, is Brad Chambers going to get into this race? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get into this race or not. Um, He has to be willing. He has to be willing to engage some of the social issues, and I don't know if he is. Brad Chambers is uh, the Secretary of Commerce. He's resigning. Clearly, he's considering the run. He's he's getting himself ready to make a make a decision. Some people are like, well, if he runs, isn't he going to have to deal with the baggage of, of the Holcomb administration and lockdowns and things like that? Oh, I don't believe so. I don't think so at all. I think you'd be really, really stretching. If you argue that the lieutenant governor, Suzanne Crouch, who's running for governor, has to has to deal with that then yes, I absolutely positively agree that Suzanne Crouch has to deal with what happened in the governor's mansion and how little she did about it. I absolutely believe she does. And I think that if anybody in her on her team thinks that it won't be an issue, I think you're flat out kidding yourself, fooling yourself on that one. But Braun took in the loot, man, $2.2 million. And he began with $2.9 million in the bank. He spent about $520,000 of it. This uh, as reported uh, by the IBJ. So he, remember, had money from his senatorial uh, push, et cetera. Then uh, there was Eric Doden. Eric Doden, a uh, businessman out of Fort Wayne. He raised $1.8 million. However, it should be understood, the Doden family is matching up to $1 million any campaign contribution received in the month of June, which means that the Doden family put in $600,000. So call the total $1.2. That would be more honest. He spent. He started the year with two point eight million in the bank. Spent eight hundred sixty-five thousand, which is the highest of any candidate in the reporting period. Which brings us to Suzanne Crouch, who raised one point one million, began with three point two million, spent four hundred thirty thousand. She's got give or take four million dollars, in 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 the bank. So you've got $4 million for Suzanne Crouch. You have got about $4 million for Doden. And you've got $5.1 million. Oh, I'm sorry, $4.6 million for Braun. I don't think the question will be, or the, or the thought should be, well, they're both, they're, they're, or they're all, not both. They're all starting off on, a, uh, on, a, on an even footing. No. The question will be, what kind of fundraising can they do? What kind of fundraising can they do? And does any of that change 
with the introduction of Curtis Hill, the former attorney general. There is another Republican, Jamie Reitenauer, uh, began with $3,700, raised another $4,100, spent $3,200, leaving her with $4,500. I do not know Jamie at all in any way. Just It's here, and I want to make sure that it's uh, discussed. I, I think that's just, you know, the, the, the right thing to do. Um, when it comes to running, uh, when it comes to raising money, uh, one would have to believe uh, that um, Braun has got significant advantages, that the senatorial advantages are real and important and are going to take him far. I would also argue that he is uh, clearly the front runner. Does Curtis Hill, being in this race, affect things? Does it change his front runner status? Uh, and the answer is it doesn't change his front runner status. It does have to change de facto his ground game. Braun is going to want those social conservatives. You have uh, uh, Curtis Hill, who is a social conservative. Really can't be, it's not a deniable subject here that if they're, um, if we're looking at it in that way, Braun may have relied on those people. He would be getting more of them than Doden or Crouch. Now he has to fight for those people, which means he's going to have to spend. He's going to have to spend. Is Curtis Hill formidable? Ah, uh, I honestly think that all depends on who you talk to. I think many in the activist class would say, well, he's got a fan base here. I think the establishment would go, and then they'd say some nasty things, right? They'd be like, don't even take that seriously. Uh, I think Curtis Hill is at least somewhat to contend with. I think it's somewhat to contend with. And I think that if you are, as I said, Mike Braun, you're aware of that. Now enter this, this Brad uh, Chambers conversation into the race. Who has to deal with him? Well, I think, there, there, I think there's a twofer here. First, Braun has to deal with him. Because Braun is going to play about his time in the Senate and the concept of results, wouldn't you? Here's the legislation I backed. Here's what I tried to do here. Here's what I got done here. Here's what it is. We need to get results done. And that's what I'm all about. And that's what my business in Jasper is all about. Well, dear Lord, Brad Chambers is going to be able to talk about results. Brad Chambers has results as Secretary of Commerce, which I would assume he's going to talk about more about his work with the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. You're like, isn't that the same thing? Ah, but if I say Secretary of Commerce, then I tie myself to Holcomb. If I say IEDC, it's a little removed, and isn't that a good thing? I absolutely positively believe that's what he will do. Being tied to Holcomb, not the winner. So let me say it this way. If Brad Chambers gets into this race, I believe that's the end of Suzanne Crouch. I'm not even angry at Suzanne Crouch. She's a very nice person. She 
cannot untie herself from Holcomb. She cannot untie herself from the questions of, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you do that? How come you didn't stand up? She gave Holcomb a million dollars. By the way, that's not a privileged story. I'm pretty sure I read that. Or it was, it was reporting that I heard. It was, That was not told to me privately. When he ran for re-election, she took a million dollars out of her coffers and gave that to him. Now I tell a story. When I had first heard the story, I never repeated the story because there was nothing to repeat. Hearing one story, you can't you, you can't use that, right? You can't you can't say that. Then then I heard the story two more times. So now all I'm doing is relaying a story that I've heard, not in off the record ways, just in the casualness. I tell a story. The story is when Eric Holcomb ran for re-election after taking Suzanne Crouch's $1 million and they made yard signs, the yard signs only said Holcomb. Oh, my God. All the yard signs said was Holcomb. I've heard this story now in so many ways that it's just a story. I, I don't remember the yard signs. I'm not a guy who puts yard signs in my, in, in my yard. She gave you, she's your lieutenant governor. She gave you a million dollars. You don't put her sign on the, on the, her name on the sign. And then you decide not even to endorse her. You're going to keep your powder dry. The endorsement from Eric Holcomb for Mike Pence is already in the books. No endorsement for Hulk for, for, for Suzanne Crouch. Wow. Yeah, if Chambers gets in this race, all the momentum from those group of people in, in, in that class would go to Brad Chambers. All of it. All of it. That's my take. That's my theory. Now, on the Democratic side, you've got Jennifer McCormick. She raised a little over $200,000. She spent about $33,000 and ends the, the period with a little more than $200,000 on hand. And you're like, that's nothing. First of all, it is nothing. Secondly, she doesn't have a primary to fight. She doesn't have a primary to fight, so therefore... It, it, the money raising isn't going to be uh, there yet. One has to assume that she's going to have to raise money in order to play, engage in any kind of fight, regardless of who the nominee is. And then there's uh, Donald Rainwater, who's a libertarian. He got 11% of the vote in 2020. He brought in $6,000. He's got $7,000 in the bank. I have no idea when the libertarians start actually doing things seriously. I have no idea when the libertarians start doing things seriously. It is remarkable to me that after all this time in the state of Indiana, which gives everybody a real chance 
Libertarians still can't fundraise, still can't build. I, I, I'm not angry. No, wait, hold on. Yes, I am angry. I'm, it freaks me out. Why can't you guys do this? I, I'm not giving you enough love. It's my fault. Sure, it's my fault. That must be it. Except that's not it. It's crazy. So that's where we are in this gubernatorial race. That's where we're at. What do I think? Uh, I think if I was a betting man, uh, I, I want to say Chambers is getting in, but I really don't know. How about you give me another day on that? Right now I'm 50-50 on that one. I'm 50-50 whether Brad Chambers gets in. If Chambers is out, I believe Braun will be the nominee. If Chambers is in, I've got uh, I've got some fair questions. Fair questions indeed. I'm Tony Katz. People in the RNC are trying to, they're rolling out an early voting program. They believe that the Democrats are better at early voting than they are. It's one thing to say, I wish we would go back to the pre-pandemic way we did elections, where there was less early voting, less absentee voting. But there's also the reality that we're in, which is that mail-in voting, early voting, absentee voting, these have been expanded and that is largely here to stay. And so you have to run in the world that exists. You have to run an election in reality. And if Republicans bail on early voting, they bail on absentee voting, where in some states like Florida, they have actually had advantages for a while, they are leaving votes on the table. It is tactically disastrous do if Republicans not, abandon Do not listen to this woman, Republicans. <laughs> listen to Donald Trump. Don't vote early. <laughs> Please be quiet. So one time I agree with Donald Trump. Republicans don't vote early. In fact. I mean, it's the Donald Trump and Curry <laughs> Lake the effect. They're the ones who are, are discouraging fact. it. Thank you, Caitlin Collins. Nobody needs to hear you anymore. More people heard that message from Kristen Soltis Anderson on this show than heard it on your show. Oh, you want to talk about rate? They worry about the ratings on Fox. Can we discuss what she's doing? How not good she is at this? She's not. She's just not good at. I'm not saying she's even a bad reporter. I'm saying she's not good at this. Uh, there is no question that Kristen Soltis Anderson is correct, and we've discussed it here. You do not campaign the way you think you have to. You campaign the way you have to. You have to ballot cure. You have to ballot harvest. You have to early vote. And you have to push your people into doing all of those things. Of course it's nuts and awful. But once you get the power, you do away with all of it, and then you can get back to actual elections that are safe. This is the way they have built it. What am I supposed to do? Not go along? Not actually do it? Lose every election coming down the line? No, 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 no. This is the way they've taught you to fight. Now you got to fight. Now you got to fight. So, quit your bitching and get it done. That's all I'm saying. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.